0: Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is September 19th, 2019. We got a game Sunday against the New York Giants. It's at 4.05 p.m., week three of the NFL season. Coming at you. Got to stop that Chacon Barkley. Getting new rookie quarterback to feast on.
1: It's been so long.
0: Since we had a new. Ten
1: days oh. since a game.
0: <laughs> yes, it has been. It seems like forever. It's almost like the, the preseason.
1: Or like a bye week. It's like a mini bye week.
0: Yeah. We've
1: got the Tennessee Titans and Jags playing tonight, which initially I was like, ugh, I don't want to watch that. But then I realized that we play both of these teams this year. And we'll see Humphreys. See how he's doing, you said he's not doing so well. Yeah, he
0: hasn't gotten hardly any passes thrown his way. Let me look up the stats real quick on that. Yes, in week one against Cleveland, he had five yards receiving. And then against Indianapolis in week two, he had two targets. He caught both of them, but gained negative one yard. So he's been a complete non-factor for Tennessee. What's their record?
1: 1-1. One, 1-1? One.
0: One one? Yeah. Yeah. They lost to Indianapolis 17-19. They beat the Browns 43-13. Yeesh.
1: So I guess he doesn't have the chemistry with Marcus Mariota that he had with Jameis Winston.
0: I guess not. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they're using him tonight. I've got uh, Jacksonville's new new quarterback.
1: Who looks like a porn star.
0: Gardner Minshew. Maybe that's why I like him. (laughs) And I've got DJ Chark in my flex. So this will be interesting.
1: It's a bold move.
0: It is a bold move.
1: Be hey, bold.
0: it's an off year for me.
1: Ralph's tired of winning at fantasy, so he's well, trying to give the rest of us. A chance. I feel like
0: if I win anymore, everybody's going to quit. So
1: I think that we should just swap teams, and then no one will know. You control my team. I'll control your team.
0: Well, they'll know we'll now still because bring you bring home
1: the four hundred dollars. You
0: just put it all out there. They don't listen. All right, got the uh, video review done of the Carolina Panthers game. The video will be up by the time you listen to this podcast. I wanted to have it out by, like, Sunday. I thought that because it was a Thursday night game that they would have the All-22 coaches film out by, like, Saturday or so. they didn't. So it kind of screwed up my week, and I finally got it done today.
1: Well, then they actually got it out later than they normally do.
0: And then they didn't have all the clips. It was They were missing a lot of the Carolina Panthers' offensive plays. So that caused a pileup. Anyhow, it'll be out by the time you listen to this podcast. Go check it out on Buccaneers Observer or Buccaneers Observer on YouTube. But with the- can I just
1: say that I'm so proud of your videos. I love them, and I'm glad that you're putting it out there because you've always shown me the games like this. But then you're putting it out there for the world to see how you watch a football game.
0: Hey, I'm trying to give back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just think you have a unique perspective on football.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, like, like I say at the start of all those videos, it's, you know, to me, it's not X's and O's, X's and O's as much as it is the Jimmy's and Joe's. I like to watch for the little things, the guys fighting, the guys tripping, falling, busted plays. It, heck, I, I even like to see who celebrates together. To me, I think those are more important than the actual X's and O's. Uh, it's one of the problems I have with the game by EA Sports, Madden. It, it, boiled the football down to a lot of people think it's all scheme you know it's and it's also another problem I have with fantasy football too because it's gotten fan bases to think that you can just take a player that scores this many touchdowns say a wide receiver that scores this many touchdowns and plug them into your team and he's going to score that many touchdowns it's just not how it works I mean we're all human the players on the team are human there's got to be dynamics between the guys if you don't like somebody that's gonna mess up the whole team blah 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 there's just a lot there.
1: I think the human element is such an overlooked aspect of football.
0: I believe that. I really do.
1: So it's like when B.A. came in and he's talking about changing the culture. He didn't say it. We all did. But that's kind of what we're talking about with him.
0: And you can see it. You can see it in these first two games. These guys are wanting to make plays. Everybody on the field is trying to make a play. There's no loafing. There's Everybody's playing through the whistle. They're physical. It's totally different than anything we've seen with, in the, in the, with the Buccaneers since 2012, 2013. Those were the only two years I can think of where we had a physical team and guys played hard through the whistle. So he has changed the culture already. One of the problems we had with Donovan Smith since he's been with the Buccaneers is the fact that he loafs too much and he doesn't play through the whistle. But I could say this, in these past two weeks, Donovan Smith has done neither of those. He's played to his contract.
1: Which is so phenomenal because during the preseason, we were complaining even more than usual about him.
0: Because we were scared that we gave him all that money and he was just going to just basically give up. But he hasn't. He's played very well, I think. You know, we've gone up against two pretty good defenses, defensive lines, and they've contained them. They've done well. I mean, you know, of course, Donovan Smith has made his faux pas, but all players are going to. But he has more good plays than he does bad plays. And I mean, that's what's important. And also it's important in context. When does he have the bad plays?
1: Did you notice that play I was talking about the other day where he actually finished blocking his guy, and then didn't have anybody to block and then turn around and, around and help somebody? Yes.
0: They're all doing that. Everybody on the offensive line, I even pointed it out in the video, you can see they're swiveling their heads around, looking to see if anybody else needs help. And Donovan Smith is playing through the whistle. He's not loafing. I haven't seen him loaf yet. That's amazing. That's that's actually incredible because I haven't – in. Since he's been here, I haven't seen a game where he didn't have at least, what, five, six loafing plays.
1: Yeah, where he's taken off.
0: He hasn't had any. I mean, he's playing really good. I'm, I'm, the, the whole offensive line is playing well. I like them all. And in this game, Boyd Jensen was a beast, man. He was he was fighting with everybody on the field <laughs> after the play. He was pushing people around, getting in their faces. I, I pointed out a couple of the, the instances on the video. With all 22 in the coaches' film, they'll cut it off. After the play is done, sometimes you can see when they start, you know, getting in each other's faces and pushing and everything.
1: Coming from the AFC, which one are they, the North? Yes. He was on Baltimore, and they have such an intense division rivalry with the Steelers. So that's kind of how he came up in the league, and then he comes here, so maybe it's just an automatic for him to take those division games really seriously.
0: That might be. Uh, he's no Logan Mankins now. Mankins was the kind of guy that if you were within arm's reach of him, he was knocking you down. <laughs> it didn't matter if it was after the whistle, before the whistle, whatever. He just he liked his personal space. <laughs> he was fun to watch. I liked watching Mankins. Could
1: you imagine him being like that in public, like at the grocery store <laughs> just, or <laughs> taking his kids to the library?
0: <laughs> standing in line at the movie theater. <laughs> right. Get back. The biggest guy who I think made a difference. Of course, you got to give Shaquille Barrett the game ball, which he got it. I mean, he just played outstanding. Those three sacks that he got were nothing compared to all the other plays he made. He was just really, really playing well, top-notch football.
1: And he earned the NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week for that performance, which was well-deserved.
0: Well-deserved, well-deserved. And it wasn't just because of Williams, 60 on the Panthers, you hear a lot of the Panther fans are saying, "Oh, Williams suck no, it was to kill Barrett because he did it across the line when he got up on the left side or the right up against the right tackle, he was beating that guy too, and there was quite a few plays where you know he was in Cam Newton's face one time he got a spin move on Williams had a straight shot to Cam Newton he was going to destroy Cam Newton, and Williams just reached out and held him. He ended up getting flagged for it, but he had to because <laughs> Barrett was going to destroy Cam Newton. Murder him. Yeah. So Shaquille Barrett played very well, but the unsung hero was Whitehead.
1: I just love him. Ah
0: man, I am falling in love with this guy every game. He is—he's tough. He's hard hitting. He's in position all the time. He makes the right choices, and he is around that ball every single play. Now he plays safety, but he's never—he's not a deep safety. He's usually up in the box. They have him play in that, what they call Buchanan? Money backer. Yeah, he's like a money backer. I mean, he's made a couple bad plays, but generally he's just on point. He hit McCaffrey in the head so hard one time. I don't know how they didn't flag that as a penalty, but the referees are idiots anyhow. Uh, They had held... McCaffrey was being tackled. This is in the video as well. McCaffrey was being tackled, and Whitehead comes running. He's about 15 yards away. He comes running at full speed while McCaffrey's being held up and just hits McCaffrey so hard. You can see... I mean, I'm filming this at 30 frames per second, and in one frame, McCaffrey's head is over here, and the next frame, it's like two feet over. Oh, my God. He just he hits McCaffrey so hard. And that was a big key to the game, was we were extremely physical, and we beat the crap out of McCaffrey. I mean, we every play, we had somebody on him beating the mess out of him.
1: Including Vita Vea Vita, four times.
0: Yes, Vita Vea just put all of his weight on him a lot. And not, not only him, uh, Nacho did it. So when Nacho was in there and he got a chance to get a hold of McCaffrey, they were just mauling that guy and it worked. It, that last play of the game, normally McCaffrey would have made that, but I think he was so beat up and scared that he he was just like, I oh, screw this. I'm going out of bounds. So yeah, got to give Whitehead props. He has played great the past two games. He's really been an unsung hero. On our team, I think. Sue, Ndamukong Sue, he he kind of played man. I mean, I pointed out some plays in the video where he had some good moves and all that good stuff. He got a few pressures, but there was a lot of him getting one-on-ones and getting kind of pushed around. I don't know if he was sick or whatever, but he just did not look like the Sue he normally looks like, which was surprising to me because I thought this was going to be a Sue versus McCoy game where both of them were going to want to prove their worth you know, try to beat the other guy stat-wise or whatever. Sue just didn't seem that interested in it. He didn't play bad by any means.
1: It just goes to show that McCoy cares about Sue more than Sue cares about McCoy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good point. I didn't even think about that. Sue was probably like, yeah, I'm just going to phone this one in. Yeah,
1: let him have his moment. Right,
0: which he did not get. McCoy did not get. Uh, I pointed out a couple plays here. First play of the game, Kappa tossed McCoy to the ground uh, and then, You know, Kappa and McCoy went at it just about the whole game. I think McCoy was was 72% of the defensive snaps, so he was in there quite a bit. He exclusively went up against Kappa. He thought he was going to be able to beat Kappa because, you know, Kappa's a new guy. Nope, didn't happen. Happened one time where he beat Kappa, and, you know, it was basically McCoy's speed. I'm not sure if McCoy, the whole line was crashing right and it looked like Kappa started to, and then he realized McCoy was going to be able to get in between everybody, so he tried to get McCoy. Wasn't able to do it. But, of course, McCoy gets in the backfield misses a tackle.
1: (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Typical,
0: yes. And that happened a couple times. I pointed that out in the video, too. McCoy missed tackles in the backfield. He's just not a good tackler. But then one time, Ali Marpet went up against McCoy, and it wasn't McCoy's choice. (laughs) McCoy had lined up as notes tackle. He was straight over the center, and everybody shifted, went right. And McCoy had to go up against Marpet. He wishes he didn't because Marpet pancaked him. He <laughs> took him to the ground and laid on top of him. And I was like, "See," because that was a big thing when we first got Marpet. Everybody was talking about in training camp how Marpet just abused McCoy. Oh, McCoy avoided Marpet all night long. He wanted to go up against Kappa. Kappa manhandled him all night long. Especially considering that you know McCoy is supposed to be an elite defensive tackle to let a basically a first year starter. You know, get the best of y'all game. Sad. I, yeah, I have to say Kappa won that matchup. It was interesting, though, when, when Marpet got a chance to take on McCoy. He did, too, man. I mean, he just stood him up, spun him around, threw him right to the ground and laid on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, Jensen was shoving everybody. You know, McCoy got all pissy and got that flag because you know Jensen was pushing Jensen was doing that to everybody after almost every play. And like I said in the last podcast, for five or six plays right after that incident with Gerald McCoy, where he got flagged, and gave us a first down, 15 yards on our game-winning drive. He Jensen right after that, there was like five or six plays in a row where he got in a tussle with. Carolina Panthers fans or Carolina Panther players after the whistle where, you know, he was just shoving them, putting his hand out, pushing them. (laughs) I love it. I think it's great. I I pointed out some good, uh, some good meanness on both of our offensive and defensive lines in the video.
1: Ian Beckles had challenged the offensive line to be the meanest unit on the team. So maybe they're shaping up to be that way.
0: Could be. Although I got to say they've got a high bar, that defensive line. Those guys are mean, man. (laughs) Even Bo Alla was getting into it. He was throwing guys around. Oh, I do, too. I like Bo Allen. There was one though, Sue grabs uh, Paredes, 61, the Carolina Panthers. Oh, that was Panthers. their
1: big free agent signing their new center.
0: Yeah, he just got beat all game. But Sue grabs him. P- Paredes blocks him. And then the play goes to the other side of the field. And so Sue and Paredes are locked up. And Sue's looking downfield, not even paying attention to 61. And, you know, 61, 61's blocking everything. And Sue just grabs hold of him and just tosses him to the ground like he's a like he's a bag of potatoes. <laughs> I love that play. So, yeah, Donovan Smith's been playing well. No loafing. Uh, He's been keeping his head on a swivel. If anybody needs help, he's going over and helping them. I mean, he's pushing guys out of the way. Our run game is – our run blocking is spectacular. It's really, really good. I mean, these guys are not getting hit in the backfield at all. At all. I mean, our running backs are getting to the line of scrimmage, and there's generally a pretty big hole. If you notice, our running backs are getting stopped by the linebackers. That's a good sign. Yeah, Uh, Gerald McCoy did beat – OJ Howard on a block and tackled the, I think it was Peyton Barber for a loss.
1: I think that was Rojo.
0: Okay, it might have been Rojo tackled him. Uh, that was about one of the only ones where our running backs were getting hit behind the line of scrimmage, and that was just stupid. Why would you put OJ Howard on a Gerald McCoy? And I'm going to say this: OJ Howard is not a very good blocker. He's had a few good blocks, and he had a block on the game uh, on that uh, the game-winning touchdown by Barber. Uh, but generally, I don't know, man. He's got to step up his blocking skills. He would, I would say he's the worst blocker on the team. Really? Yeah. And then, you know, Donovan Smith is playing through the whistle. No loafing playing through the whistle, which is what me and you have talked about. They need to do. And we talked about in the last podcast, in the last video, I put out that, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, he gets the happy feet. He's not reading the field. He didn't have that this game. He had He had one instance where he got happy feet. You could say two. It was really interesting. In the one one instance, he got happy feet and he started running. You could see him realized what he was doing and he stopped and he sat and he planted his feet in the pocket. He was getting ready to run out of the pocket. Oh. It was really fascinating. You could see something clicked in him and he went, whoa, I'm doing this thing that I shouldn't be doing. He ended up getting sacked, but it was good sack. It was one of those sacks where you know he didn't try to do something stupid. And then he had another play later. I think it was in the fourth quarter where he started running around when he shouldn't have. And he ended up getting sacked again. Both sacks were his fault.
1: But I think I remember one of those and we said that's exactly where you take yes. the sack. Yes, yes. I think he was really close to the end zone.
0: I can't remember specifically, and but it was very— could have been
1: a pick six if he had made a really dumb decision there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, on the one play—and this is in the video as well— the one play, he got the happy feet, and then he realized, oh, I need to stop doing this. He set his feet in the pocket. He had both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin wide open down the field. The Mike Evans one would have been a touchdown. It was one where he threw his hand up. He was gone. I mean, he beat his guy. He was—but— Winston didn't get a chance to throw it to him because he ended up getting sacked. I mean, he had the time. I don't know why he didn't do it. Chris, Chris Godwin was open almost from the get-go. He just didn't see him. But other than that, uh, Winston played very well. I mean, he, there wasn't a whole lot of him not seeing open receivers down the field. He didn't get happy feet a lot. So, you know, kudos to him, too.
1: I've been saying this for a long time that I think his vision is bad. Right. Someone posted on Twitter a, a gif of him, like, squinting at stuff.
0: Huh. You never know, man. Maybe he needs to get the, one of those shields, the prescription face shields. Remember, scars. he
1: started wearing one last year. And
0: I think he did well when he was wearing yeah. that. Yeah. Is he still wearing it?
1: Somebody in the comments said he got contacts in 2017 or something like that. There was a girl in my high school who wore contacts, and she played soccer and got hit in the head with a ball, and the contact lens went to the back of her eye, cut her eyeball. Oh, man. Yeah. So I can't imagine it would be a good thing. It might have been a f- totally freak accident. I know she had to wear the big goggles for the rest of the year when she played. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like... If that's going to happen in soccer, I can't imagine it would it happen in football.
0: I've seen quite a few plays where guys have gotten hit and their contacts have come out and they've yeah. had to leave the game. You'll see them looking around the ground and then eventually they just go, oh, this is stupid.
1: I can't find it. And they- or they... Um, They'll be on the sideline, squirting stuff in their eye. Trying to. I had it. Another story time. I used to wear contacts, and I had it kind of suctioned at the top of my eyeball. I just lost the contact. I couldn't find it, and like thirty minutes later, it just slid down my eye, and I was like, "Oh, I can see again."
0: Thankfully, I've never had to wear contacts. I did wear contacts. I went to a Dragon Con convention down in Atlanta, and I. Bought these uh, contacts that were like made your eyes completely white or something. I can't remember. Or maybe they they were going the dark. Yeah, Put those in. Man, that was tough. I actually ended up getting really tore up that night. Fell asleep with them in. Uh. The next day, I was like, what is in my eye? (laughs) So, yeah, I've never had to wear contacts. Thankful for that. Molly ended up getting LASIK. Doesn't have to wear contacts anymore. For now. That was interesting, that LASIK surgery. I, I sat there and watched it. I was like, good grief. I thought it was just, you know, they shoot a laser in there and then done. Yeah, no, they cut it. your eyeball. Boom. Yeah, they like Flip suck split, your yeah. eyeball out.
1: with the. I couldn't watch it. They gave us a flash drive with the surgery on it. And I was like, nope, never watching that one. Might as well just burn this now.
0: Yeah, they had a lady there with a video camera videoing it and narrating, explaining everything that was going on. It was really cool. So everybody's playing well, and everyone definitely looks like they're trying to make a play. They want to make a play. There was one, I think it was Hargreaves. Uh, there was a slant going, and which Hargreaves got beat all day on the slants. That's something we're definitely going to have to work on. But I, I think I, I, I want to say it was Hargreaves, but he, he dove for the ball to try and knock it down. I think it was one of the ones for 88. Olsen. And he dove and missed it, and Olsen ended up picking up big yardage. The, the plays like that, I am like, I will never get upset about that. You know, he tried, he dove for it, and all that good stuff. Yeah,
1: it's the ones where they're not even trying that are infuriating. Yeah, where
0: they got their head turned around, they're looking at the receiver, the guy catches the ball, they jump at his feet, and then he just runs.
1: Or they look like Bray Grimes and try to avoid contact.
0: Right. They'll head towards a blocker. Speaking of that, there was one play, I pointed this out in the video, with, with Levante David. was one of the reasons why I love Levante David, because he used to be excellent at getting awful blocks. He was unblockable for the first couple of years. That's what made him an elite linebacker. And there was one play, the right tackle pulls, and he comes over to the left and is the lead blocker for McCaffrey. Well, he just happens to pull where Levante David is coming up, and Levante David tucks his shoulder, bends his legs, and puts his shoulder into that guy. I know it. That guy just all the breath had to have gone out of him, I and mean, he he ba- almost lifts him off his feet, and then gets a piece of McCaffrey as he runs runs by. It was great. I mean, here it is a big three hundred and some pound right tackle trying to block Levante David. David wasn't having none of it. <laughs> it's good to see Levante David back to his old form, but it's good to see everybody wanting to make plays. Nobody's uh, loafing or acting like they don't want to be out there or out. They don't like they're scared to tackle. You know, we've seen that a lot over the past mm-hmm. few years. We ain't got none of that now. These guys are swarming the ball. They're trying to tackle, especially that whitehead man. I feel sorry for anybody's that got the ball around right
1: him. Yeah, you sent me that stat today where the Bucks are what second best or, for missed tackles?
0: Right, we have the fewest, second best, second fewest missed tackles in the league.
1: Yeah, the Patriots are number one at like two percent. We had what eight or nine percent. I think it was eight. The worst was the Tennessee Titans with, like, 24%, 26%.
0: That's horrible. That's one out of every four tackles are going to be missed.
1: So we'll be seeing a lot of missed tackles tonight.
0: Sounds like it. One thing I do have to say, this was a close game. We were dominant. We did dominate that game. Uh, We we had the lead the whole game, never gave up the lead. I think they did tie it at one point. Can't remember. But we did dominate it. Uh, Cam did throw over 300 yards on us. Basically, it was all to Greg Olson. We did shut down McCaffrey, which was the key to the winning the game. But it was a close game. They came down, it was two yards away from them winning that game. We cannot go into these games expecting to have a quarterback like Cam Newton who just can't throw the ball. You know, when we get like a Garoppolo who was pretty accurate, we're going to have a tough time. We got to be a little bit better on our uh, coverage. Just a little bit better. I mean, these guys are playing great. They're right there. You're not seeing too many guys wide open. Every now and then you do, and it's usually because of a busted play. But we're not going to be able to depend on inaccurate quarterbacks like Cam Newton was. If Cam Newton would have been accurate, they probably would have won that game. So we can't depend on them. And if you notice, both games, these quarterbacks are getting the ball out. Before three seconds, normally right around two seconds. I was uh, doing the time to throws with Cam Newton, and he was getting that ball out in like 1.7 seconds.
1: Which is not his M.O. No, not at all. Which is probably why he threw, what, 50?
0: 15 uncatchable passes.
1: But he threw 40, I mean, 50 total times, completed half of them. A
0: lot of those were because we were hitting him as he was throwing, or we were in his face, a lot of them.
1: So maybe that's why our coverage isn't as great, because our game plan focuses more on getting to the quarterback quickly, so maybe he won't have that time to throw.
0: Well, it's man coverage, and the man coverage you're going to get, receivers are going to beat the guys. It's just up to the quarterback to be able to see it and get it to them fast enough. And slants are always tough for man coverage. We're going to have to do something with our linebackers or defensive ends, although they did. They did drop Vita Vea in the coverage. This is the weirdest play. No. Yes, against, you'll never guess who they dropped him in coverage McCaffrey?
1: With. Yes. What the?
0: I know. I was like, oh, that could have been a disaster.
1: What was the result of the play?
0: I think camp threw like a 20-yard pass. It was a messed up play. I don't know if it was busted coverage or whatever, but we ended up having three linebackers all within a five-yard radius of each other. There were two open receivers. That was receivers. a
1: hot spot on the field. <laughs>
0: that's, that's where the party was at. <laughs> but we're going to have to do something for those slants. They'll figure something out. The slants really, really worked us. But the, the quarterbacks are going to have to get the ball out. I said this last year, said it during the preseason, and I'm saying it now. Quarterbacks cannot hold the ball f- for more than three seconds against us.
1: We got all that meat in the middle.
0: That meat in the middle. I mean, Vea and Sue push that pocket back. I mean, not necessarily fast, but they push that pocket back. It's going to get to you in three seconds.
1: And then you got Shaq Barrett coming around the edge.
0: Mm-hmm. Nassib, and usually a linebacker or... Somebody scream, screaming in <laughs> on a blitz. The quarterbacks are going to have to be quick with us, and we're not going to be able to count on them being inaccurate like Cam Newton. I think Matt Ryan is going to have a difficult time because Matt Ryan's a step-up-in-the-pocket kind of guy. He's not going to be able to step, in, step up in the pocket with us.
1: And his offensive line is trash.
0: They had to, what, two rookies. They've had, I think, two guys are out. Yeah, their offensive line is horrible. We're going we're to feast on them. But one of the things, that problems I had with Daryl McCoy was he never pushed the pocket forward. And that's what defensive tackles are supposed to do. They're supposed to push the pocket forward, keep the quarterback from being able to step up and throw the pass. Sue and Vea are excellent at it. That quarter, that, that pocket immediately starts to collapse as soon as that ball is snapped. And you've got less than three seconds to get that ball out of your hand. And usually after a second and a half, there is no stepping up because that pocket has moved back already. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. We do not have any idea what this quarterback in New York is like, how he's going to play, what they're going to do with him. I think we're going to get a whole crap ton of Shaquan Barkley. With him, we're going to have to be able to tackle very well. It's usually going to take a couple guys. But I'm not worried about it. We're We're tackling good. Strange thing, pro football focus, which, you know, if you listen to us, we do not agree with them. We don't like the way they rate. I think they're... They're more of a marketing company than they are a actual statistics company. They rated Vita Vitavea as the highest player on our defense. I think they had him in the top three across the league this year or last week. I don't know where they got that from. This was probably one of Vita Vitavea's worst performing games. I mean, he did play bad by any means, but not not as dominant as he normally is.
1: And they didn't even have Shaq Barrett on the list. Yeah, they didn't even
0: have – Pro Football Focus had a list of all the top defensive players for the Buccaneers with their grades and they didn't even have Shaq Barrett on there. That was insane. That's that just goes to show these guys do not watch film at all. I mean Vea did not have a bad game, but he just had a meh game. Meh. Of course he you know he had his great plays. He always gets good plays in there, good pressures, pushing the pocket and all that, but he didn't have that dominance he normally does where he's just tossing guys around. Which is funny saying that. That's how that's how high the bar is for Vea to me. I mean he had uh good tackles he pushed the pocket back he was in cam newton's face a lot but that's just not enough for me with Vea. i'm just like now normally i mean normally he's taking on double teams throwing guys off of it, throwing guys around uh you know hitting the running back so hard their mouthpieces come out so that's how high my bar is i guess i guess if you'd never really watched vita vea and you watch this game you would be oh he's pretty good but it it's nothing compared to how he normally plays. That's why when the PFL was, they gave him like this really high grade, it was like a seventy-eight or something, and they were like he was the best performing defensive player on our team. I was like, what? Just goes to the show they never watch. I, I don't know where they get this stuff from. It's like they pull it out of a hat. But sure, Keel Barrett was the best defensive player on the team, with Whitehead coming in a close second. How they missed that, I don't know.
1: Whitehead, I think, was on there, and then they also had Carlton Davis on there.
0: Really? Huh. Carlton Davis, but not I know. (laughs) Man, if you have a Pro Football Focus subscription, (laughs) uh, save your money. Give it to a charity. Something that does some good, because I think Pro Football Focus (laughs) is complete garbage. I mean, I'm glad they're around, because they give us something to talk about. And I do believe they work hard. They try to do a good job, I guess. But they don't watch the game film, the All-22. They admit admit as much. The only time they do that is if there's a huge controversy between scores. But yeah, they just watch the broadcast version, and you can't even see the secondary or what the receivers are doing. So you get so much more watching the coaches' film than you do the broadcast version. And this is another game. This was just like week one, where what we saw on the broadcast version and the the impressions we got from that game were basically the same as what you saw on all twenty-two. Very strange. I've never had this happen, especially two two games in a row.
1: Yeah, with Cutter last season, it just seemed like every game we were disappointed. And then when you watch the coaches' film, it wasn't as bad as we thought.
0: Except for Donovan Smith, <laughs> it was usually worse than we thought. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, with normally with games when you watch them, you see the broadcast version, and you know they're long games, three hours, three and a half hours. And a lot of times you forget what happened in the first quarter, the first half, and you generally only have a fuzzy idea of what's going on, but you make a conclusion and you say, oh, we won the game because of this, this, and that, and this, and that. Well, then when you watch the coaches' film, you see all kinds of stuff happening all over the field that you didn't see on the broadcast version or that you forgot or whatever. So you can go, oh, well, no, we really won because of this or we lost because of this. And, you know, here this guy played horrible and I didn't even know he was on the field during the broadcast version, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. But with this, the two past two weeks, what we've seen on the broadcast version and the conclusions we've come to have basically matched up with what we've seen on the coaches film although i've got to say the offensive line has been you know we were worried about them coming it in it is
1: so weird because it's like night and day mm-hmm. from the preseason the preseason there were some serious concerns and maybe it was just the depth that we saw but No one really looked that good on the offensive line, the starters.
0: And they're doing pretty much everything we said we wanted them to do. There's not a lot of movement on the front. You know, they're doing a lot of zone blocking. Their run blocking is really, really good. They're playing through the whistle. They're not loafing. They're keeping their heads on the swivel. They're helping each other out. I don't know, man. I'm really proud of the guys. We don't have a weakness on our team. We do not have a weakness. Our safety position is good. Cornerbacks are good. Linebackers are good. Defensive line is good. Tight ends are good. Offensive line is good. Quarterback is good. Wide receivers is good. Everybody's playing above average. Some of them are playing elite. I'm telling you, man, we're going to win this division. We're going to the first time to the playoffs since you've been a fan of the Buccaneers. That's true. But two weeks in, I'm already saying.
1: I know, right?
0: <laughs> you gotta love it. I'm the most optimistic, uh, Tampa Bay colored, wearing glasses person on the planet. <laughs> so anyhow, that's the end of the wrap up. The all coaches, all 22 film on the Carolina Panthers. A lot more on the video. Go check it out if you get a chance. It's not quite as long as the last. I try to keep them as short. I mean, I cut. I put a lot of stuff on the floor, the the chopping floor, whatever you want to call it. I. You know, there's many things I would want to show, like Whitehead, all of his plays, you know, that just how he's just flying to the ball and, you know, making plays. But I try to just pick out things that I found interesting and stuff like with Whitehead, it would have been a whole bunch of plays. I would have had to stitch together and done a montage of them or whatever. And it's just it's really not what I want to do with these videos.
1: Maybe during the off season. There's always the option. There's,
0: there's always tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, let's go through some news, and we'll touch on the injury report, and then we'll wrap it up because the game is going to start in about 20 minutes. Yeah, boy, Noah Spence got signed with the Washington Redskins.
0: Yeah, my boy no more. Screw him. He had <laughs> his opportunity. You him up.
1: I did. I <laughs> talked let to you him down. Up. He really did,
0: man. Disappointment. But he's on the enemy team now, so, you know, screw him.
1: And we're in Redskins country, so forget that guy.
0: I was actually surprised somebody picked him up, and I'm surprised that nobody's picked up David Kenny. I know. That's really surprising to me.
1: Another former Buccaneer, Fitzmagic, he's back on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) What is he? It's only been two weeks.
0: That's the same as happened last year, right? I Uh, I think
1: he got three or four weeks. Yeah, he
0: had two good games last year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were stuck with them for the first three because Jameis was suspended. And then I think he got the next one because he was the hot hand.
0: Well, he wouldn't sign with Miami, and that was just...
1: Oh, God. I
0: wouldn't sign with Miami right now for nothing. Actually, that's not true. I'd sign with him for a couple million dollars. They want me there. Somebody call him up. Tell him Ralph Phillips is there. Well, there's like a
1: mass exodus. Hell, I'd probably be their best treated. player. Yeah, probably. <laughs> with Drew Brees injured, Sean Payton won't say...
0: Whether it's gonna be Tyson Hill or
1: yes, whether Bridgewater. Bridgewater is the starter. I
0: you know, they're chomping at the bit put Hill in. I know they are.
1: He's saying they'll approach Sunday's game with two quarterbacks.
0: I think they're gonna do that. You know, they they did it with with Hill when Breeze is there. I think he was in for 17 of the snaps. They're gradually moving him in more and more and more. So I think this one they're going to have both quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Bridgewater will start. But then they're gonna have he'll come in probably about twenty five percent, you know, upwards of forty percent of the plays he'll be in.
1: Why you gotta do us like that? I know the football gods. I know. He's good. We face him in a couple of weeks. All right, let's get to this injury report. What do we got? All right. Bo Allen had a heat related illness. He was limited Wednesday, full to ter- participation Thursday. That was a tough one to get out. <laughs> Shaq Barrett, good lord, I sound like you. (laughs) Shaq Barrett (laughs) Barrett had a groin injury. He was limited Wednesday, full participation Thursday. Devontae Bond has not practiced. Jamel Dean has not practiced. Blaine Gabbert has not practiced. And Devin White has not practiced. I don't think Devin White's going to play. Jensen has a shoulder injury. He's full participation. Carl Nassib was limited Wednesday with a calf injury, but he's back Thursday. Raheem Nunez-Roches had the finger injury. He's full participation. Brashard Perryman has a quadriceps injury, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. And then Jameis Winston has a foot injury, but he's full participation. So with the four guys that have not practiced, White, Gabbert, Bond and Dean, if they're all out per Greg Allman, we'll see Damone Harris, Andrew Adams, Triple A, and either Scotty Miller or Tanner Hudson. So I guess with those guys injured, we've got some more active roster spots.
0: This is a unique thing too with Bruce Arian's team, is I'm totally confident in all of our backup players.
1: Yeah, me too. I, mean, I like our depth.
0: Yes, I love our depth. As a matter of fact, yeah. there's a lot of guys on our depth that I'm like, uh, I'd rather Wish see them start. Yeah. yeah, Jamal Dean had a good play.
1: Oh, we did on special teams. Okay, let's go through the Giants players. This one's gonna be fun. Garrett Dickerson, tight end, has a quadriceps injury. He was limited Wednesday, but Thursday he was full participation. Wide receiver Benny Fowler, remember we were looking at the depth chart and we're like, okay, he's like their number two Mm -hmm. or their other starter. Right. He suffered a hamstring injury and did not practice Thursday. So their wide receiver core was already weak. Then Cody Lattimore, another receiver, concussion, hasn't practiced all week. Sterling Shepard. Had the concussion that he suffered week one that was a little controversial because they sent him back in. Mm -hmm. He was limited Wednesday, full participation Thursday, so we might see him. And then Darius Slayton, another wide receiver, had a hamstring injury. He's been limited this week. Cornerback Grant Haley has had an illness. He didn't participate Wednesday, but full participation on Thursday. And then their guard, Kevin Zeitler... Had a shoulder injury, didn't participate Wednesday, but he's a full participant on Thursday.
0: So who all is out definitely?
1: We don't know. We won't know definitively until Friday.
0: Well we know Eli Manning's out. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I wonder if
1: he'll be the number two. Is he riding the bench or are they gonna inactivate him?
0: I I would imagine he'd be number two. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah, in case Daniel Jones sucks, I'll just bench him and put Eli back in.
0: Did you see you know Cam Newton hasn't been practicing because he's got a sore sissy bone, and
1: we hurt his pride.
0: Yeah, we hurt his. We broke his pride in half. Uh, they were asking Ron Rivera about it, whether he was going to be the starter this day. And Ron Rivera was saying, "Look, we don't know yet. I'll, let, I'll have more information for you on Friday. I want to talk about the Arizona game." And they kept asking him questions. He ended the press conference.
1: What? Yep.
0: He said, "I'm not going to do this," and he walked out. Things ain't looking too good for the Panthers. <laughs> that
1: collapse is happening early. I know.
0: We called that so good.
1: I wonder how much of our podcast is spent patting ourselves on the back.
0: Not enough. <laughs> hey, man, when you get a win, just take it and run with it.
1: <laughs> I hope people don't get tired of that. I don't. I don't either.
0: So, yeah, let us know. Should Do we congratulate ourselves too much? Do we talk too much about our prognostications? Yeah, it's fun. It's, I, that's one of the best things about sports, if you ask me, the whole prognostication, figuring out, future telling.
1: Well, you are a prognosticator. That's true. I should call you Nostradamus. I
0: do that with everything. You do. I live too much in the future. I've been trying to live more in the present.
1: How's that going? I don't
0: know. I'll tomorrow. let you know tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Big game coming up Sunday. Be nice to get this win. We're going to get it. Molly and I have both predicted the Giants are going to take a beat down. Really, the key to the game, everybody knows it. We know it. They know it. Just stop Scott Barkley, because that's really all they got. We're going to do it. We're going to be 2-1, and still retain the division title for the moment. I would love to see the Carolina Panthers get beat by the lowly Arizona Cardinals.
1: Ooh, that would mean, like, instant collapse, I think.
0: (laughs) I think they are instant collapsing now. It's just, uh, yeah, I think that would speed it up a little bit.
1: Well, I think the Cardinals, they tied one game, and then I don't know what their record is otherwise.
0: So let's get all those positive vibes out there. Everybody think, think, think. Focus. We're beating the Giants. We're winning the division.
1: Everyone in our division is going to lose.
0: Everyone in our division is going to lose. All three of our division opponents are having away games this week. Carolina is going to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Atlanta is going to Indianapolis to play the Colts. And the Saints are going to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Oh, man. Theoretically, the Falcons should beat the Colts, and the Panthers should beat the Arizona Cardinals, but I don't think so. I think the Colts—I mean the uh, the Cardinals—are going to beat Carolina. Oof! I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Saints. Falcons and Colts—I don't know. Falcons have been playing, man. They're they look like a tough team, except for their offensive line. So, anyhow, let's beat the Giants. Until then,
1: go Bucks.